grim darkness of the present day, there is only the Average Gamers Podcast. On this episode, we talk about the new reveals from Games Workshop. We also discuss what we've been up to on this uh, lockdown, <laughs> as lockdown continues. Uh, we also look at, uh, it's just uh, the time of recording, it's the end of Mental Health Awareness Week. So we talk about how we think mental health and the hobby can live hand in hand. On with the show. Well then, this is a, an interesting start to the uh, episode, I think, because yesterday, at the time of recording, there was a big old reveal from Games Workshop, wasn't there, guys? There was, yeah. There was indeed. And what was that reveal, Lee? Well, okay, all right, I'll expand on that then, shall I? So, the reveal <laughs> was, you know, much to nobody's surprise, that 9th edition 40k is on the cards. Uh- that makes me feel quite old, actually, to say ninth edition because I started in second. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, word, I'm a bit younger word. than okay. you guys, so I, I started in um, eighth edition. But no, no, eighth edition. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that would be. three years old. I started Yay. in third edition. Let me let me clarify that third edition. I'm not so, uh, okay. like five years old. <laughs> Otherwise, I've got You're a really 14. really deep vault voice yeah. for a five year old. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, w- I was 12 when um, I started playing second edition, so um, I got on early, but yes, it, it was a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I say I started in second, I started collecting in second, but I didn't actually start gaming until third hit and I discovered the club in, in the town, like for the longest time, it was just me and a couple of mates buying a few models. But oh yeah, yeah. God, uh, I, I played second edition on my my at my school friend's uh, floor. Like you know, we, it was that sort of you know like book um, like video cases for terrain kind of you know <laughs> level of gaming. You know, <laughs> old school there video. <laughs> I, I still remember the day where like Lee walked into the club for the first time, if I'm honest, because I think so. Although Lee started collecting bef- way before me, I obviously started gaming before him. So I was at this club, and he walked in. This guy, you know, and and all credit to him, he had all of his stuff fully painted, and he was like, "Look at my fan." Well, he didn't say, "Look at my fantastic force." <laughs> He's much more reserved than that, if I'm honest. Um, but out of everyone at the club, it was like the best painted 40k force you've ever seen. So hats off to him. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that was, God, that was nearly 20 years ago now, I think it must have been. Like 2000, 2001, I seem to remember turning up at that club and getting absolutely schooled by a guy who had some horrible Black Templars army with all the stupid like rules that they had and all that kind of rubbish. That was yeah, that that was an intre- that was an eye opener. My first first proper game and it just Wasn't that Steve? No, was that Steve? No, it wasn't, he used no. to play Black Templars. No, it wasn't Steve. It was uh Graham, of course. He he no longer plays, but Steve is actually uh, going great guns, yeah. isn't he over on Vanguard Tactics? He's Oh yeah, absolute legend. He's got his own studio and everything. I mean, fair play to him. Oh really? Yeah, okay. it's, I'll have to check that out. He's he's worth it because he's he's a good uh, he's he's big into his <clears> tournaments, <throat> his forty k tournament playing. And um, I mean, it's not for me personally, but I mean the the actual kind of ethos that he runs is that he doesn't go for like gotcha tactics and things like that. He wants to play a proper game, like a fun game, and it's all about sportsmanship for him. So he's got a yeah. really good kind of ethos, I think. I really like what he does, despite me not being a tawny player. So it's it's worth checking out. 
I think the 40k tournament scene has changed quite a lot, actually. Like, I, I watch um, Tabletop Titans, and I, I don't even play 40k, obviously, that much. I certainly don't play it competitively, but mm. they've got such great banter, and they kind of explain everything so well, and they talk a lot about the current um, tournament setup that they've got. I can't remember what it's called now. It's like ICT or something. And mm. But it does sound really interesting when you have, like, primary objectives and secondary objectives, and um, it, it, it definitely sounds like, there's it's a bit more interesting than i would have expected but mm. uh, anyway I, I digress <laughs> indeed yeah we're, we're going slightly off top. so yeah ninth yeah. edition 40k then so from and obviously i'm only really six months into eighth edition because uh, you know we all stepped away from it about six or seven years ago when sixth edition dropped and we all kind of bounced off and went and played infinity and other games so for me like actually eighth edition was quite a refreshing change i thought i quite enjoyed like the changes because it it felt more natural it felt more like i always envisioned 40k to be compared to say third edition which was everyone rushed to the middle of the table and whoever's got the best close combat army wins because shooting was just garbage in third third and fourth were just awful for it um shooting is really brutal at the moment though isn't it like it's it's kind of it seems the game at least the games i've seen it's tends to be like last man standing almost it's yeah, to, to a degree, <laughs> from what yeah. i've seen like they seem to have scaled up the amount of dice you're rolling oh, i God, remember yeah. rolling like you know when i had my demon prince charging in and third it'd be like yeah five attacks now it's like 20 attacks oh yeah. i i, I think more it's dice weight of dice um oh i can't even remember what they're called now all the space rings are so sh- stupid names yeah now. they do they really do <laughs> the guys with power fists and of course loads of guns on them what are they called aggressors, aggressors? Yeah. yeah yeah they are ridiculous each one of them gets in range you're like oh my you're just like you're praying to god it's 18 and a half inches away so it can't I shoot you felt so bad can. when we played <laughs> that game where it was just like oh here's my aggressor and he's got oh 22 shots because they haven't moved yeah. so you can shoot twice what? Yeah, it was it's, like, it's, one guy oh my god. it was ridiculous you, you basically you never end your turn with an 18 of one of them unless yeah. you want to die. So, to be <laughs> fair, they got very short range. Yeah. And, you know, so, but um, yeah, you do want to kill them as soon as you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you're right. The the number of dice in the game has gone up. Um, I think there's a there's a sort of base kind of level thrill, isn't there, of rolling a lot of dice. So I think that's kind of the appeal that they're going yeah, for. There. I think so. Um, yeah. But actually, like, you know, we say that shooting's very powerful. I mean, we saw some close combat in our game, Darren, and I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah. were Marines hitting shooty Tyranids, so it kind of went the Marines' favour. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, they they were no slouches, I thought, anyway. But, yes. see, a ninth edition looks like a... It's not a reboot, like, thankfully, so it's more of a, an evolution of eighth. Um, apparently, all codexes will be valid until they get superseded. Yeah, it's really good news. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected that anyway. I mean, there was a lot of rumour mill churning, and I just thought, they're doing all of these Psychic Awakening books in the lead-up to it. There's no way they're going to put all of those out and then immediately invalidate them. I don't know. I mean, Yeah, I think they had that issue with the um, Age of Sigmar stuff, didn't they? When they they basically canned fantasy, that's what they did, is that they released all of the kind of, like, end times set, and I think they released five or six books for end times. And then they basically went, yep, right, yeah. new rule set, everyone. I, I think Let's that go. annoyed a lot of people, which is why they haven't done it this time. You're right. Yeah, it definitely annoys people. Um, I mean, I'm super glad because I've only brought my Tranid and Genesteel Cult army book a couple of months ago. So mm. I, I would actually be, probably be rage quitting right now if they like, <laughs> invalidated it all straight away. I'd be like, I've just got back into Sorry, this. Darren. You, oh, oh your, your Genesteel Cult, you need to buy them again. Yeah. Because they're the wrong <laughs> models now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you know how expensive you can steal a cult are? <laughs> it's like <laughs> but, um, going back on topic slightly. So the reveal yesterday was was quite interesting because it, it looks like GW are finally slowly starting to turn that ship around and, and catch up with other companies. They they announced an app which they they didn't expressly say, but they alluded to you'll be able to create army lists in it, which so many other companies are already doing, such as Fantasy Flight yeah, and okay. Corpus Belli. Um, they also, for only nine ninety nine yeah, a month. Well, this is the thing we, we don't know cost. <laughs> but then there's also they've announced that every physical edition of a codex that you buy will get the digital edition free, which I think is a nice That's touch. Really but nice. I yeah. guarantee, oh great, great, I idea, guarantee yeah. that'll be a thirty quid book because you're getting the digital version. So your mileage may vary on that. Either way, they they are starting to take steps to push things forward. I think they've realised that actually people putting the rules out there probably hasn't affected their sales as much as they were worried about. So I, I actually think I I'm, I'm always one of these people that think it probably increases your sales because I'm a sort of person that I start looking at profiles and then it gets me excited about that model. Mm. You know, I'll probably I, initially I'll probably look at the model on the basis of that's a cool model and then I'll look into it and go, oh, it's actually got a cool profile. Now I want to buy it, you know, and then so I, th- I think it's good to get those that information out there. Well, definitely, yeah. And and the other thing is, if you if you're charging thirty quid a book, which you know you get a bunch of narrative, a bunch of flavour and fluff in those books as well, but with all the rules and stuff, like you can let people get stuff on the table and start playing with the force that they've always wanted to pick up, and they've gained an extra thirty quid by not buying the book to spend on more figures. And that, by that point, they've got two or three extra box sets and, and they're kind of like into it and they'll probably go and buy the book anyway because yeah. they're invested. So it's just a, they're just kicking the gate further down the road. And I think it's just getting people more interested in the hobby sooner, which can't be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, I can't speak too much for the changes to the rules that they announced because they were sort of vague and a bit like, OK, that doesn't really say a lot and you could interpret it a number of ways. So I can't really say a great deal on those. But, mm. you know, the, the changes sound positive on the whole. I just hope that they can maintain <laughs> a bit of balance in the books. I know they're famous for power creep in their new books and I still have nightmares now about when you guys absolutely schooled me in 6th edition <laughs> with your Necrons, despite... That dark- was... It was not hard with Necrons, though. It was. No. It, I think it would be hard to make a force that could lose with Necrons. That would be the real challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think they. that was really when you saw the kind of, like, from my perspective, the kind of um, increase in dice being rolled, because that's when they introduced, like, oh, look, you've got one of these, I can't remember the names of them, but you'd roll, like, a Tesla arcs or something. You'd roll, like, six dice, and any sixes, you get, like, Exploding two extra dice. Yeah, and you just keep on stupid. rolling, like, more and more dice. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I hated that. But, um, <laughs> you know, what I took away from that reveal yesterday, because I did watch it, mm-hmm. I thought they were trying to make the game a lot more accessible, <laughs> a lot more friendly to new players. Yeah. And there seemed to be a lot more focus on the narrative and telling the story of what's happening mm. with 40K. Um, it's definitely kind of like all of the artwork that I saw kind of like um, in terms of the gameplay um, videos. Oh, it looks amazing. When I say amazing. gameplay video, I mean yeah. kind of those bits and yeah. um, oh, obviously the change yeah. in their logo. I feel like they're trying to just make it like more accessible, get people into it younger and make it less of a, as I like to call it, a sweaty netbeard hobby kind <laughs> of like thing like, <laughs> and make it a bit more mainstream. Like, it I, feels like they're trying yeah. to make it more mainstream and be more socially acceptable if, 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 if that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, actually, I've, I've just um, had a look at their new website and I think it looks really good and I think the information's laid out really well. 
um, I think they're hitting the right balance actually of you know the sort of like um, not really cool artwork that you would get in a codex balanced with some sort of more cartoony style light artwork um, and also they've got that amazing video which I did watch of you know Necrons and Sisters of Battle yeah. um, fighting yeah. and um, you know that's it's really it's really great to see that level of quality actually going into a release of a new website and a new edition it's um, yeah certainly got me interested yeah I'm really looking forward to it and without sort of going on too long about it because we've got other topics to cover this episode um um, there's no real detail on when it's coming but obviously with the whole lockdown situation i'm guessing there'll be a bit longer to wait i i would assume around maybe september october time i think that's traditionally when they tend to come out it's probably they probably want to capitalize yeah, a bit it, on the christmas rush as well so yeah you're definitely right i think what you'll end up seeing is it'll come out september october time because if they can get out another one or two big pieces for like the you know obviously they've revealed the big necron kind of push mm. um and that there's clearly a few extra figures in there that we haven't seen yet i'd imagine they want people to pick up that set around september october so like december time they've got their couple of extra big bo- box purchases down the road yeah um yeah, I think I'll probably pick up just a rule book. I don't. I'm not particularly interested in in more Space Marines because Death Watch can't. Not the Space Marine bikes. Yeah, mm. but I don't know if Death Watch can use them yet. So the thing, I don't want to spend a load of money on stuff <laughs> that I can't use, and I don't want two Marine armies. So I'll I'll just wait and see. Yeah, no, do, I'll wait and see. I quite like my Death Watch as they are. They're quite fun. They're quite fun to paint as well because I can gradually personalize each model um darren doesn't even think it's called painting lee if you if you have to paint in black that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a spray can isn't it guess done <laughs> no 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 I, I use an airbrush oh really yeah <laughs> basically you know what well, i should have just picked up death watch as my force i would have been like done then yeah, uh, yeah. mr trick <laughs> maybe i'll have to go black templars or something paint shoulder pad a different color done <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 they do look quite good. Actually, to be fair, they do look really good. Thank you. Yeah, good they, they do. It's all the little details that counts, and you've all d- done your own kind of like ch- chapter markings on their kind of shoulder pads and things, which is pretty cool. Well, it's, it's definitely yeah. more about the paint that Lee isn't using. You know, that's a, it's like a, like jazz. You know, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> listen to the notes he's not playing. <laughs> cool. Okay, so yeah, that that's our, our brief um, discussion on 40k 9th edition. I, I think we're all, you know, cautiously optimistic, you know, looking forward to it perhaps. It'll be good that when lockdown's over, we actually get to play it. That's probably yeah. the biggest issue. Um, I'd, quite be, I'd be up for some sort of thousand point games. They've been quite good fun, you know, and see where it goes from there, really. Yeah, and I think they were saying that they want to keep the scale, they want it to scale well enough at lower point values. So I think that was almost, you, you'd yeah, said yeah. almost exactly the same, Darren, that tyranids and gene stealers maybe don't scale down as well as say marines do because they're not as resilient mm. etc so yeah if they can you mean scale do you mean scale up or scale down scale like, gene down. stealer can't work better at lower points right no because i i think i think he's possibly look i don't know i don't know i mean tyrannids i was more worried about the synapse side of thing because if you've got a few fewer yeah. points you've only got a few models but actually, in this current edition, anyway, synapse is not such a big problem. So, mm. um, but uh, then again, against Death Wash, they've got a nasty habit of being able to target your synapse creatures, even if they uh, are supposedly safe, <laughs> which is quite a nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, role to have. and that's, oh, that's yeah, a good exactly thing. They're right. keeping the stratagems. Actually, that's one more thing we'll touch on actually before we wrap up. The, the stratagems they have made them. 
uh, they're, they're keeping them, which is good. I quite like them. They they add a new element to the game, um, sort of resource management effectively as well. But yeah. what they've done is they've eliminated the the way you build an army now in eighth edition is that you take a detachment, which is you know a force organization chart, and you take one HQ and three troops or whatever it is, and then you get a set number of command points for that detachment. If you take another detachment within your points limit, you get that amount of you know the amount of command points for that detachment as well which means weirdly the more bizarre your list is and the more detachments you can fit in the more command points you get which was a bit like you you, you can end up with what they call soup armies which is like you know you might have a little detachment of death watch and a little detachment of imperial guard and a little detachment of space marines just to get a bucket load of command points mm. And that, right, okay. I, I guess yeah. in some ways it makes sense because they are smaller forces, they're more tactically flexible, but it just seemed a bit like everyone was doing that and you just end up with, you know, two minimum troop units and a big leader who then gets yeah. all the command points spent on him and it turns into almost hero hammer or your hero unit hammer. Yeah, so and, they're and, changing and that's it, it isn't it? You, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, so yeah. they're, they're changing. It, it, obviously the command points were, were probably too strong too good yeah the, <laughs> if, if if that's the way to look at it if, if that's what people are gaming for there's mm. obviously some benefit in having all of those command points available oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, the, I mean, the, they're really good. the change now is that they're going basically if you're mono faction if you don't take multiple detachments you you'll have more command points you actually have to spend command points to buy new detachments which i prefer oh, yeah i like that yeah it they makes kind more of sense introduced that, didn't they there, yeah. there are certain com- uh, detachments at the moment that you do have to spend uh, points for but uh, yeah I, I mean it's one of the most thematic things for me go- coming back into eighth, uh, eighth edition that I, w- I actually really enjoyed because all of a sudden you can you can have some funny little interactions like i i, I like in one game a load of blood firsters ran into my hormigans and i um i use a command point to give my um, hormigans acid blood and i was like yeah, yeah take, the, well, take you on. could Did have you all say the a blood. bunch of did you say a bunch of bloodthirsters? Oh, but, the big but, but letters, sorry. Oh my Jesus! <laughs> I was like, Christ, Darren, who do yeah. you know who's got like oh, one dear. or many bloodthirsters? <laughs> no, 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 the, the little ones, the blood letters. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they, they yeah, just yeah. like okay. ran in, and I, I don't know. It's just funny because obviously blood letters are after the blood, and it's like, yeah, you can have the acid blood. There you go. <laughs> 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 just pour it on the board. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they killed all my hormigans, but I, I took out about half the unit in return just by you know. Nice. Uh, so it's just funny little interactions like that you know which i I enjoyed yeah it was good cool so yeah let's move on to the meat of the show then right chaps so what we want to talk about next is uh something that happened last week and it was to do with someone losing their rpg virginity wasn't it oh yes it was what happened last week darren (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um i uh, i actually played my first rpg so as a so, he played his first oh, nerd. get him he's a nerd been, yeah I've, I've been a bit um resistant i suppose uh to rpgs um even though i've enjoyed things like arkham horror um the card it's, game the, um, you mean the rpg disguised no, right, as like card the game. card game yeah the card, the game. card game <laughs> not anything else <laughs> some some people like to pretend there's a story. I like to see the numbers and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I knew it was true, Darren. <laughs> I, I I do enjoy that that game because it is quite a nice blend of RPG and and card game in an interesting way, isn't it? But um, mm. it's definitely got that vibe to it, hasn't it? 
the yeah, narrative. It's very, it's very much RPG. I think with disguised as a card game. I think I think that's part of the appeal for it. Because to be honest, like Lovecraft doesn't do it for me. Mm. But like the actual story that's going on, like the, that we're playing through a narrative, and also the mechanics are pretty good, is what keeps me hooked by that game. I'm I'm not so fussed about the theme. I would probably prefer the theme to be different but it's quite a good testament to the game then really because i know what you mean yeah. you know if like sometimes the theme's not quite your cup of tea it's it's hard sometimes yeah. to engage in the game but um yeah mm. if, if there's enough going on still that's that's good 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 to hear yeah a shining shining endorsement there but the game that we played last week was the alien rpg wasn't it yeah yeah it was yes um now does anyone know who that's by because i haven't written it in the show notes uh, no, I haven't either. So if you're interested, you can probably go online on. and Google Alien RPG. I'm, I'm about to. No, it's all right. I'll ask He's Jeeves asking now. Jeeves. <laughs> okay. So, oh, okay. It's by Modiphius. So uh, they of many oh. famous so, RPGs. Yeah. Yep, they do the, the Infinity RPGs, one. Like, they do. They've got Star Trek one, I believe. I think they've done yeah. Fallout. And they're also doing... Are they doing a Skyrim one? Or they, I think they've... They've had some involvement in doing they've maybe got, like a. No, they've got. They've got Acton Cthulhu, Vampire the Masquerade. Ah. Uh, they also do Star Trek, Infinity, Dishonored, Dune, Alien, Tales from the Loop, Judge Dread RPG. Uh, got quite a few then. Loads. <laughs> yeah. Elite Danger. Right, oh the God, list goes on. The, the list anyway, goes yeah. on, Lee. Look, we yeah. don't need to list off <laughs> yeah. like their back catalogue. Modiphius. We'll uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Anyway. I think the, <laughs> in the description. The, um, Acton Cthulhu one actually looks really cool from my perspective. Obviously biased by the theme, but it's just basically Lovecraft in World War Two times. So it's yeah, um, okay. yeah it's it. See that would appeal more to me. I think that's the, not the World an, War Two setting. That's not an RPG though. I think that is a um, is, like yeah. tabletop is, game because I swear there's, I played Achong Cthulhu the miniatures it's game. Both. Yeah, there are both, and the miniatures okay, are actually really nice. So I, I kind of keep looking at them, going, I, "I'd like to like to just have them." <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone would actually <laughs> play the game with me, but I'd like to I'd like to just have <laughs> the models. You know, they're quite good um, versions, and they, they're quite they're really interesting looking models. And I, I think the World War Two theme does go really well, actually. Cool. So, um, sorry, that sounded really unabused. <laughs> yeah, no, that does I, sound I swear, quite I swear quite... that we uh, like go off topic all the time. I, I <laughs> so, think, I think this might be me. Let's talk about the Alien RPG. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Alien. We are yeah. the um, yeah. yes. So it was a one-shot RPG run by a friend, uh, friend of the other friend of the show, uh, Jay. Uh, hello, Jay. Thanks, thanks for. He probably won't be listening to this anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't really no, matter. No, of course not. But um, yeah, bother. so he ran a one-shot RPG for us. Um, it was based on Hadley's Hope. If any of you are familiar with the Alien films, that is uh, from the second Alien film, Aliens. Um, yep. Uh, we are on the colony um, of Hadley's Hope, and uh, we are a ragtag group of people who have been there for a while. Um, and um, I guess it's a. Uh, it's a cooperative experience, but we've all got our own kind of little objectives and we don't know what everyone is up to. Um, I guess yeah, it, every character had an agenda, basically yeah. their own agenda. Um, we didn't have to roll up character sheets, so we're all predetermined. So you play as those characters, which I, I found was useful because we didn't have to kind of in, reinvent the wheel for this one shot. It was like, this is the character you're going to play. Just play play that character as well as you can. Yeah. Um, it was pretty pretty brutal. It was a very kind of survival esque yeah. game. Um, 
I, I really enjoyed it, but like, let's start with Darren because you've never played an RPG. How did you find uh, it? How yeah, was your so obviously experience? I can't compare it to anything else other than what I thought of it on the same. And um, I, I did enjoy it. I, I did struggle with certain elements of RPGs. Like, there's, um, I guess it's more. It is all about the narrative, so there's nothing really to mold your mind on. And um, I, so I, I did struggle a little bit with that side of it. Um, and I think if I I think if I had, uh, I think I need to put a bit more um, focus on following the narrative and what people are up to and getting uh, involved in discussions and stuff like that and, you know, that side of it. And um, I, I guess I was kind of expecting the story maybe to kind of like, um, kind of be stepped through the story by the sort of, by itself. And I guess that maybe I wasn't inputting enough, you know what I mean? And um so, that, so probably a little bit too much downtime because of that. Uh, but I think a lot of that's on me to, to get more involved and to to really listen to what people are saying. Because obviously there's a lot of little clues that they give you and kind of like little tidbits like that. Um, whereas I, because I, 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 my character is all about betraying. So I, I was pretty much just waiting for a good opportunity to betray. Mm. So- <laughs> oh, there we go. Surprise, surprise. Well, we'll get onto your kind of like betrayal nature, Darren. Yeah. Uh, later mm. but uh but yeah in general like did, did you enjoy the experience would you play another I did, rpg yeah i think i would yeah and i i think um i i appreciated the theme and i like the um i like the narration that jay did it was really good yeah i do think <laughs> I, I definitely have to play a theme that i enjoy like really enjoy like i could i can i can see like Either horror ones like that because I am I'm in into the Aliens franchise. Um, I am I even like some of the newer ones, which is Heresy. You know, it's Ugh, kind of like like, really? in clo- like like in Clone Wars or whatever it is. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guilty. You know, guilty but, um, yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like yeah, it's a, it's a guilty pleasure. But um, you know, they're, they're bad. But um, so I do like the franchise, and I could see me playing a Lovecraft one particularly. I think I'd be really interested in. I think I could. Interesting. Um, maybe a forty k one, maybe. But the, other than that, I guess mm. um, I think I might struggle if I didn't really like the theme. But next time, I would. I'd like to see me doing a bit more, um, getting involved. I think I was because I, yeah. I, I, I didn't really know what to do. So a lot of the time, I just sort of yeah. stood back and kind of watched what was happening, and then was just like, oh, okay. Um, whereas I, I could have probably got a bit more like involved, and um, it's probably easier as well if you're in person because because it was I've... remotely, it was always a bit hard with like I think there's five or six of us weren't there to yeah. sort of like yeah. interject. You know, sometimes you kind of like it's quite easy to start. Um, it's quite hard to start. Um, um, you, you use over you talk over each other so quickly that you, it's quite easy to sort of start stepping back a bit and letting other people yeah. kind of it, do the talking. It definitely is a lot harder over VC video conference than it is like in person. I think it's a lot easier yeah. to read and give people time to do that. Um, over VC, it's so hard to kind of like make sure everyone's got the time to have those kind of like weird character interactions. Um, <laughs> Um, which need to happen, I think, especially in the alien RPG. Like those characters, kind of like teeing off at one another, and everyone kind of sits back and watches. Um, it's quite, kind of like just hard to make sure those things happen in good time as well. Um, but it was great to at least get something done rather than just yeah, not yeah, do definitely, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that is the hardest thing about uh, coming to an RPG. The, the hardest thing is coming out of your shell 
initially because I've seen it from all the games I've GM'd that there are one or two who not struggle to engage just the wrong word but you know it's talking it's getting making themselves heard or like knowing when to kind of interject and stuff some people just aren't comfortable doing it so I think you did pretty well to be honest I I mean I was I was worried from my standpoint I thought there was I was a bit worried that you were getting a bit disengaged because you didn't have a lot to do or it seemed that way but I, you know, now I realise you're abiding your time it makes more sense but at the time I was sort of subtly messaging Jay saying you know maybe give Darren something to do because he doesn't he hasn't done or said a lot in a while and I think that that was a I even deliberately helped people pop- early on just so they trusted me a little bit more <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I think so I I also really enjoyed the um, the game. Like the Jay's narration is really really good. He's a very oh, very it's good on GM. point. Like he he just yeah. he goes almost overboard, but it's necessary because you're just there. Like mm. oh my god, this is the the thing that sticks out in my mind is his description of Tom's character getting absolutely brutally ripped apart <laughs> by this alien, and it goes on for like a good solid minute, <laughs> like describing yeah, yeah. everything in <laughs> yeah, explicit pretty, detail. Pretty <laughs> I mean. What did you think of it, Adam, as a system, and and how did you feel it went? I mean, obviously, we're not critiquing Jay's GMing style or, or the fact that we were over video conference, but as a whole, how do you think Alien worked? I I think it 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 was it was good. I really enjoyed it. It seems like a pretty brutal system, though, and I think we've had conversations about this, like because it was a yeah. one shot and how it how it kind of played out. We had someone die pretty early on, and it was trying to like have the opportunity to weave that person back in as another character that we would meet in the same experience. I think there was a lot of downtime for that one person. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and Jay was trying to work mm. that person in, but if we're st- like, we stalled for a bit as well, as a result, it took a good hour to get that person back in and it is, it can be a bit of a challenge. So you need some tools at your disposal to get those people in sooner. And like Jay said, you could have probably let them play as the alien for a bit whilst, if you're in person, but it's a lot harder again over video conference to kind of make that work and kind of share what's going on. Um, I yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff going sorry, on. Bro. There's a lot of stuff going on like behind the scenes as well to make this work. So, for example, we didn't know a lot about each other's characters. So obviously, Lee, you were playing the android, which I didn't twig for like yeah. ages. But our first encounter with an <laughs> alien, basically, like G's character spotted him or made some noise. The alien comes rushing mm. out and Lee runs over to it and punches <laughs> it. And we're like, oh, okay. And I think this set the tone for like why why maybe Tom rushed into combat later. But you ran in and like punched maybe. this alien and the alien ran off. So we're like, oh, it's not too bad. So I think the le- next encounter, obviously Tom rushes in to try and get this alien off you, who's an android who doesn't really care about it. You're not mm. human. You're not going to die per se. Um, and he just gets yeah. absolutely torn <laughs> to shreds. Um, yeah. It was just really good to like, we were all going, Jesus, Lee rolled amazingly as a human to be able to punch <laughs> this alien and cause like some damage to it. And later we find out you've actually you're you're just an android. So that was pretty well, yeah. Funny. I was rolling like twice as many dice as most of you guys because my strength was like through the roof. So it's like I could go and punch it. I think, and this, I think sort of when we discussed about the downtime, I, d- I did feel really bad because Tom mm. was sat there for a good hour with nothing to do. Like literally, his character died quite early on, and then the rest of the time he was. He was still there and he was potentially listening, but I mean, if it had been, if I'd been in his shoes, I probably would have either logged off or would be on my phone and stuff and just doing other things, which is a bit rubbish when you sort of put aside, you know, a block of time to play an RPG. And I think 
had I had I been running it, I think the way I would overcome that, and like and I know what you're saying, you're like death should be something to be feared, but yeah. you don't want to leave someone disengaged. Is either give them the alien to control, and like you know, sort of it, over video conference is even easier because you can go, you can send them a message and say, here you go, here's an alien. Every so often, I want you to move it and then come and attack them, or you just contrive it a bit and you say, oh well, now that that's happened. Because I think it's okay to die in the climax. Yeah, like, I, don't get I me guess... wrong, but I think dying that early on is wrong. I would have had because there was a good hour where he didn't have a character. Sure, I would have sort of just contrived it a bit and have another character stumble yeah. in through a come out of a locker or something, or but... something like I'll just go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, could have done awful. it. Or like you know, there was yeah. a morgue next door, so he could have had some someone hiding in one of the morgue kind of like drawers yeah. or something. Yeah. But you know, these you know, it, hindsight is an amazing thing in the moment. Yeah. Oh, like, exactly. All of these yeah. things get. You know, yeah definitely caught up and i think jay did try and bring him back in i think we stalled a bit and kind of yeah it took a while to get moving from that point because you do need um, that sort of threat don't you but yeah you, like, you, i enjoy, do, I enjoy... Do you need it's a balance so it's, yeah. it's yeah, you tricky do. balance and and the other thing is I, uh you I, I kind of disagree that you would give someone control of the aliens because i feel they need to be gm'd like if you give someone a control of them they'll just they could be potentially overly brutal with them be like they know where the characters are. They're just going to move towards them and attack them straight away. Whereas actually the aliens are, mm. don't really have their narrative or what they're doing or where they should be going. And I think a lot of it is actually controlled kind of randomly or like randomly led, like what actions the aliens are taking, what attacks they're making. Yeah. Um, in general, I enjoyed it. Like I would definitely play one again. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I thought it went really well. Like I definitely find games like that when you're picking up other characters it's easier to play a character that has a lot more resolve and kind of like character cornerstone. I felt because my guy was religious. I was quite like, I could just mm-hmm. buy into that and be like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to push that. I did it, pulled out <laughs> some religious quotes online and kind of like some Bible <laughs> quotes. And, you know, you can, you can, it's easier to structure who that person would be and how they would behave than maybe someone who's yeah. got a, maybe a looser cornerstone. Um, but I should have, fucking check jay's character i tell you that no not jay um g's character i knew he had that alien on him well apparently they can fit in it to a twinkle can (laughs) yeah yeah i know where's he fitting that under his giant cape yeah Yeah. just carrying this massive jar yeah yeah (laughs) but i did i did quite like though that we all well not we or i obviously knew i was an android but like everyone else was like, oh, he's blatantly the android, like out of character. The discussions were like, yeah, oh, Gareth's blatantly the android. Look at what he's doing. He's being a bit shifty. He's blatantly an android. I actually knew that Lee was the android, um, but um, I'd never did anything with it. So that's uh, probably a failing on my behalf to... Oh, did you know? Did you? Your character I did knew? know, yeah. I did know, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah. I just didn't do anything with it, which is, yeah, again, probably why I didn't get the most out of the RPG. <laughs> To be fair, though, no. Sometimes that's part of the part of the fun. Is like you've got that in your back pocket if you want to, like, yeah. you know, figure something out or like you know throw a spanner in the works. You could be like, well, he's an android. Maybe I should have, um, uh, I don't know, blackmailed you to to do something because I'm like, I'll tell everyone you're an android. Or, you know, <laughs> but yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's this one. This one for the next time we play, which I, you know, I really hope there will be a next time because I, I actually really enjoyed it as well. Despite my like, I say moaning. I'm not trying to moan about the game. I'm trying to sort of critique it and make it better. And I think that's the things I would change is probably minimal. You know, I wouldn't change anything about the way the system runs. I would just change uh, maybe you know, 
yeah, it's fine to die, but maybe not in the mm. first like hour or so. Maybe in the last third, it's fine. Because I, I was deliberately like my my character's motivation as the android was he was a benevolent one, so he he wanted to save as many as he could, but he didn't want to like put everyone in danger, which is why he was sort of opposed to Tom's character wanting to go down into the basement where supposedly all these other people were, and it's like no, that's a blooming alien nest. Oh, what are you doing? I wanted to go and was, find out. So that's why. I, that's why. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why I, I let him sacrifice basically i was like you know right i'm gonna get him killed i'm gonna go in and like fight these aliens off while the others escape and that was like mm. that's fine i think that made for quite a good hopefully a good bit of storytelling you yeah. know he, the android sacrifices himself so you know not only was it in character but it also meant that the others got a chance to escape and i think you know that was fine at that point dying because you know there's yeah. only like you know half an hour or so 45 minutes left so you know i can sit and listen to the rest and your character kind of did his arc of you know what he wanted to do yeah you know yeah i just think if you're gonna have somebody die i think what maybe the trick is to have a few npcs controlled by the gm in the group Mm. as well and then have them get picked off and then the threat is still there because you're like oh god you know people are dying no, I think you just shift over the characters. I think yeah. player characters have to die in that yeah. to make it feel like an alien film. Otherwise, I mean, what, what yeah. about if you yeah, had, like, um, if you start, obviously, with a, let's say, a tier one style character with good stats and everything, and if you die, everyone knows that they may die, and there's no, there's not going to be any um, kind of tampering from the GM to stop it. And if you do die, you basically yeah. get... Um, a tier two character, <laughs> so you kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you die again, you get an yeah. even worse yeah. character. <laughs> and to be fair, I think that's how the main game works. I think that's how the game usually does work if you play the multi-episode um, version. Um, I think as well, we just came into it. We were doing a one shot. We had a couple of hours in the evening. We pro- Jay just probably didn't plan for it to happen as brutally <laughs> as what it did, as quickly as it did, and. You know, we, we all make these loans, but in general, I think we we all enjoyed it, and we definitely play hmm. um, the alien RPG again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think definitely. so. Yeah, cool, awesome. Okay, so what else have you guys been playing then? Well, the other night, Darren and I managed to play uh, Rising Sun on Tabletop Simulator, didn't we, Darren? We did indeed. Were, were you the um, the flying ones again, Darren? No, no, oh, that's Dragonfly Clan. No, I, I actually uh, played <laughs> randomly assigned clans, and I got the Moon Clan, which uh, quite interesting because they have every, all their figures count as basically double force, so it counts force two. And um, wow, but you can only put two of them in each region, so they're like very concentrated but very powerful. Um, okay, so let's just rewind slightly then. So for those who aren't in the know, what is Rising Sun, and who's it by? And then we'll we'll come we'll come onto tabletop simulator in a second. So which one of you wants to take that? Um, I, I yeah I can explain Rising Sun. So Rising Sun <clears> is a game by Eric Lang, who is a bit of a you know a bit of an idol. I think you know <laughs> chased by look on his you know it's just <laughs> and um, yeah he's he's obviously a really well renowned game designer and um, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of his work and. The game is an area control game with a lot of Euro game elements. So there's um, things like you have four mandates assigned a turn uh, that you can pick from. And you pick one of them and that determines the action that you and everyone else playing will take. And you will get like a primary kind of 
action off of that mandate. So that would be like the stronger version and everyone else kind of has a weaker version, which is a... Yeah, so... Is, 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 is it one of the... I think... It, I can't remember exactly which Euro game that comes from now, but it's a fairly well-established Euro game mechanic where every turn you're, you're kind of determining what you do, but also what everyone else does, um, which is quite interesting because you mm-hmm. have to pick cards that will... You'll pick, sorry, pick an action that will benefit you, obviously, but not overly benefit everyone else. So, you know... It's, it's, um, but one mm-hmm. of the other key aspects of the game is it's a... Uh, there is this political, um, um, what do you call it, uh, like allying. So um, up to two players can join in an alliance. And when you're in an alliance, whenever you play one of these mandates, um, your ally will also get the main benefit, the main power from that mandate and be able to do the main ability. And so you can sort of help each other out. But it's still, there's only one person that can win overall. So you, you kind of need to make these alliances which will benefit you uh, in the sort of short term, but not hurt yourself too much in the long term. Um, and But the game itself mm-hmm. is really just about moving your figures because it, it's got really nice miniatures in it, uh, which are your armies around the board and having a war within each of these little provinces and trying to win territory, but and also trying to gain victory points through lots of other means, because uh, there's these cards that are part of the game as well that you can purchase, and they will give you extra victory points for doing extra things, uh, with whatever it says on the card. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's hopefully sums it up. <laughs> yeah, so, good. so yes, published by Simon or Cool Mini or not, as they used to be known. Um, it was originally mm, a Kickstarter. Yeah, it's now it at is. retail, isn't it? Yeah, and it's part of um, Eric Lang's uh, Cornetto trilogy, as it were. In terms <laughs> of, so the, I think the first game that he released—I I mean, he they they kind of say it's a trilogy because it, from a cool mini or not perspective, because obviously they had the first game, which was uh, Blood Rage, the second one, which is Rising Sun, and then the third one which is on Kickstarter at the moment, I believe Darren's gone in on, uh, which is actually. called Ank. Oh, you didn't? You didn't, didn't go in No, no. In, in, this, um, in this Kickstarter world, uh, a year seems like a, a long time to wait. So, yeah. Not a Kickstarter world, um, yeah. COVID world. Um, um, so so that, that that's the trilogy. But obviously, for those of you that um, aren't familiar, he also released a game previously um, through, was it Fantasy Flight Games? It which was, was yeah. um which is Chaos in the Old World, based on the Warhammer franchise. Um, that was kind of like, oh, a lot of us that have played that see that is his kind of like fledgling game that led to kind of this sort of um, kind of player interaction style mechanics. Don't yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's definitely closest to Blood Rage, and you can kind of see like it getting mm. progressively further on, but it's still got so many similarities. And I think possibly just because of the background, mm-hmm. but also because... Uh, Chaos in the Old World was one of the sort of first board games I really, really enjoyed. It's always had a quite a, a certain a special place for me. You know, I, I still really rate it highly, and I, I I always like to crack that one out when we can. Tabletop Simulator, then what's what's that for those unaware? Bob, all three people yeah, so, know what it is. So Tabletop Simulator is um, uh, like a game or like a game engine, I would call it, I guess, that you can purchase through um, Steam online. Um, It works for both Windows and Mac. Um, 
and it effectively emulates a tabletop um, and then you can add components and things onto the board uh, you can assign players to different spots um, and depending on how much effort people have put into the individual kind of games that you can play um, it's very manual or can have some sort of automation layer over the top of it to control kind of some of the interactions but in bro broadly speaking a lot of the kind of uh, setups that you see so the rising someone for example is all just they've loaded in all the components laid everything out nicely so it's easy for you to navigate through your player pieces versus like all the things that sit around the board that you need access to um, they they often have the rule books on hand but i don't know why you'd ever read the rule book in the thing mm. whereas you could just get the pdf online um, but in general, like as long as you know how to play the game, then you'll get on fine by playing it online with Tabletop Simulator. Just add maybe an extra 60 minutes onto the game time just to get people used to it. I think you can definitely reduce that time to play once everyone's a bit more used to it. But in general, okay. um, yeah, add a bit more time on to play. But um, I, I think they've also added on some war games um, and games that need measurement that works slightly differently because you need to kind of set up distances and things like that on the board pieces. Um, but but I found it relatively simple to play. I didn't because we knew how to play Rising Sun quite well. I I think it translated pretty pretty well on the on the simulator. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean the Getting used to it was a little bit tricky at the start and learning the commands is really the important part of Tabletop Simulator. Uh, it's really up to you to to do so much. You, you've got to really know the commands and ideally really know the game as well. Did you, um, did you do the thing where you just make all the components massive, like oversized? I've heard a lot of people having fun with that. You just click it and then you press like a button and it like you can increase and decrease the size. Oh, damn it. Should have done that for the big monsters. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, though, how um, because we're playing in Tabletop Simulator, you don't have the uh, attraction to the monsters because they're not cool miniatures. <laughs> yeah. no, no one went for them because you were like, these aren't really oh, I picked the up game. the river dragon at the oh, end. Oh, you did? Down. Yeah. I did. yeah. yeah and then was, you, was, they, you took him hostage. God damn you, yeah. Darren. <laughs> Probably are the biggest in... problem with Sorry, monsters. Are they, are they not in 3D, then? No. No, it's all uh, no. 2D. So okay. uh, it's just the cards, basically. But they're like a Stand Easley, your favourites. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh god. But overall, um, but yeah, I, I thought it did work well. You know. Yeah, it did. Um, so we played it with five players. We played with uh, your your twin brother Craig, um, who you also run the Bushido podcast with, Bushido Cast, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, a couple of your other friends from from Reading. And I guess what yeah. what was great about it is we can play these games with people. Um, yeah, who who often we we don't see in person. Um, yeah, yeah, which is um, a real benefit for me because uh, I, you know, I, I, as everyone's lives gets busier and busier, I, the number of times I'll head back to Reading get fewer and fewer. So this actually could be a great way where at least once a month I could actually catch up with them, which um, mm. is something we haven't really ever bothered to do before. Um, but I think yes, yes. now we have done it once, we I think we will do it more, you know, which I'm I'm quite looking forward to. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, a, um, a good shout. It it worked really well. Um, I managed to sneak the win with the Turtle Clan, which you know was great <laughs> was great to do, despite being betrayed by both Darren and um, Gav like numerous times. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and I, I think as well, like we did not have the Fox Clan in play. I think the Fox Clan are definitely very strong in a in a larger player game, um, mm. where they can like go over a number of different territories. We won't go into the detail too much, but yeah, it was great to see kind of the Turtle Clan get a victory. So great to see that um, because yeah. usually I see them. They're they're not too bad. They're like average to kind of like mid mid top tier. Um, but they tend to struggle versus some of the other clans that have some more tricksy elements to them. Um, so it was great to kind of see them come out on top and, and log a victory against their uh, clan name. I've never seen a Lotus victory, but uh, maybe we'll get on to a bit of a Rising Sun <laughs> deep dive in a, in a future episode. But, yeah, um, I'm going to have to download it then, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, Lee. Download it and then we can have a game. Yes. Yeah. Will, do. will do. Do it now. I think Keyforge um, is on there as well. Conveniently, yeah. Uh, it's easier to play that on the Crucible, though. It's just th- way better. That does that. a lot of stuff for you, doesn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Right. So let, let let's move on because we we talked way too much about <laughs> those couple of games. Um, Lee, what <laughs> else have you been up to um, in in your kind of gaming time, hobby time? Um, so yeah, it's been it's become more of a hobby kind of time at the moment. I don't have obviously we can't have anyone round to play any games in person. So my my man cave where my gaming table would normally sit is now my office. Uh, so I've got a desk in here, so I can't actually get a table up. However, this desk does have built-in drawers, which now have all my paints and hobby equipment in them. So I can literally go Hopefully. from working to painting in <laughs> like a seconds. matter of seconds. Yeah, pretty much. Like I can literally stop working at lunchtime, put my keyboard away. Put, get a paintbrush out it's really good um so i've been doing a lot Are you of that sure it's so... not just like mid-meeting you're like oh this is this this conference call is going on way too long just let's just yeah. start painting my death watch turn i mean the, the risk the risk of any and... colleagues listening is low <laughs> but i mean I, I can neither confirm nor deny such such uh things so yeah i've been doing a bit of hobby so i obviously what with all this talk of new 40k on the horizon I'd been gradually picking up a few bits to expand my Death Watch. Like they were originally sitting at around a thousand points. I'm now at about fifteen hundred, and I picked up a few like cheapy Marines on eBay, a few of the one little monopose ones. And actually, they've not been too bad to convert into Death Watch because I've only got to clip away a shoulder pad and slap a shoulder pad on. Um, so I've been doing that mostly and painting those up at least to a, a basic standard for now. Um, and obviously with this kind of hobby kick I've been looking more at hobby accessories so I I picked up a new lamp I got one from Ikea that's on like a swing arm and I got a couple of daylight bulbs for it and it's been brilliant they're really nice actually because they they're not like they've got a diffuser built into the bulb so it's not a direct light source it's diffused so it has less harsh shadows which is quite nice so it's been good to paint with Uh, I've also been looking at hobby kind of holder things so I got one from Game Envy a couple of years ago. I won it in a giveaway. And it's quite a neat idea. It's got like a... So you, you mount a uh, the model with blue tack onto like a bottle cap. And then that screws onto a holder, which you then hold. Now, I, I don't mind this one, but because it doesn't have a proper handle, it's just got a weird kind of... Uh, they call it a stabilization bar. And it kind of makes a handle shape, but it's not easy to put down. I looked elsewhere... I was like, okay, so this is a great idea, but it doesn't quite work. So I don't want to spend 20 quid on a handle to bolt onto it because the shipping would just kill me. So I'm sort of looking at alternatives. And I picked up one of the Games Workshop hobby handles uh, about six, seven months ago. And that's been pretty good because that uses like a bit of a clamp system. It's like spring-loaded. 
which is is great if the base is sturdy enough or will fit in that clamp. So it's great for Games Workshop models. Um, it works okay for anything with a hard plastic base, so like Infinity ones as well, although I worry the grip on those might give way. But for things like softer plastic, so like my Imperial Assault models or Hero Forge models, I found that it's actually warping the plastic and denting it. So I've looked at, and conveniently for the timing, Red Grass Games. They did oh, a painting yes. handle and they do like a wet palette and such. And they've just launched uh, a few days ago now um, a Kickstarter for the second version of their hobby handle. And it's got a really, it's, it kind of, it combines the kind of hobby holder thing in that it's got like you mount it with blue tack on the top, but now you can remove the top and put a different one on. So you can have several caps with a few models ready to go. You can pull the model off and put the new one on, nice. and because it because it goes onto like a, a, an axle, I guess for want of a better word, I don't know the proper word. You can like pivot the model, so you can hold the handle and keep the handle steady, but then you can use your index and thumb to spin the model to rotate it to get a okay, different angle. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I think it's it's going to work out about twenty quid, and I'm getting one handle, uh, three caps, and sort of you know the blue tack to go with it. And this this with their Kickstarter, they've got a free book by Angel Heraldes, so I get a copy of that as well, which is quite nice for for twenty quid. It's not bad. And like the new Great. one's got like a, it's got a magnet built into the base, and you get a little magnetic pad that you can stick onto something, so you can mount the handle when you put it down, so it's not going to tip over. So I thought that was quite a nice little thing. Um, mostly, uh, it, so that, that's pretty much been me for in terms of hobby. I have done a little bit of gaming. Uh, Kim and I tried to tackle Ultron in Marvel Champions last night, and cool. my God, we got our asses kicked. He is a t he is like the end boss of the core box, um, and we faced him. And he's got this really annoying mechanic where he strips cards out of your deck and puts them into play with you face down and they count as like a, an Ultron drone so they're just like a, oh, loads nice. of little harassing minions mm -hmm. and we ended up with about I ended up with about nine of them on me at one point it was horrible so we need to rethink our approach and like it, Kim was like yeah maybe we should customise our decks now and deck build a little bit <laughs> do you know what it's it's that is very reminiscent of playing arkham horror like those last bosses are pretty intense like i can mm. remember playing through carcosa and we we're doing really well like yeah we got this on board and then last boss in in carcosa we just got stomped <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere was... like and i think they are meant to be super hard they're meant to oh, yeah that that promotes replayability though which i think is good yeah um yeah, we're gonna we're actually gonna tackle it again later this afternoon, so I'm quite Ooh, looking forward nice. to that. Um, and then other gaming wise, I've we've just been prepping for our next Star Wars RPG session, which I'm running. I'm gonna run it out of an adventure book this time, which is good. So I'm getting that all up together, you know, doing all the setup and such, and getting myself ready to run that next weekend, which I'm looking forward to. Should be a good laugh. Cool. And does the adventure book just help you a bit more in terms of it gives you a structured narrative to follow or some beats, so it's a bit easier yeah. on you and and yeah, it's a pre-written adventure this time, so I, I'm not doing my own. It's I've I've got a few elements that I may throw in to spice it up a bit, which will lead, which will follow on from what happened in the previous adventure. So there's there's quite a bit that ties it together, hopefully, and makes it one big overarching narrative. You could do like um. You could make it. <laughs> you could do like a um, 
proper crossover with the spicy rat and go all Star Trek and be like, oh, you you land on this planet and discover it's all like like it's all fantasy. Backwards. <laughs> it's all backwards. Well, they are the oh, same system, so yeah, they they would kind of translate, but I don't know. I don't know about that. That would destroy your kind of like whole Star Wars um, elitism. <laughs> it would, it would uh, break canon. Break canon too much. I, I think you can use the, uh, the holodeck, right? That's uh, uh, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. No, yeah, can't do that. Now. Right. Um, so, so, Darren, what have you been up to? Um, so, hobby-wise, I've been painting... Bushido mostly. I uh, finished off my Jung Pirates. Um, I, I don't know if I said last time if I finished them off then or not, but um, th- th- I had a few extra that I've uh, I've, I've done uh, did yesterday. So um, there's 14 models all in total. So that's uh, nice to have as an army when you can say it's 14 models. It's, uh, so you've been suitable. finishing off Pirates. Yeah, and um, cool. I guess at the moment after the announcement, I'm I'm actually interested in. Uh, <laughs> painting up some jean sellers uh you know the the cold and um i haven't really figured out a color scheme yet but i've got this idea that i want to have them as the twisted helix because they've got really cool background and so they're going to probably be very pale and if i can get any dark elder kind of chains and syringe kind of science kind of looking stuff i will put that onto a few of the models like the abominations and kind of give them a bit more flavor and um that's the sort of style i'm going to go for uh but i just need to really get inspired by a particular color scheme so um, i'll probably paint a couple of the grunts and uh, try a few different schemes out and then go for one um but uh i think if i if i aim for about a thousand points painted i think that's a nice um target because i've got i gotta admit after coming from playing lots of skirmish games where yeah, fourteen models is is actually not just an army. That's that's an army with lots of extras and options. Um, the idea of painting a whole gene steel cult is a little bit daunting. It's and the, yeah. the number you've got of to models. paint what fourteen models and that's about fifty points. Yeah, well, <laughs> over a thousand. <clears throat> that's the thing I found. Yeah. I had to dial it back, like for because I've just painted up my legion stuff and painted up my forty k stuff. I've had to really dial back the kind of detail I'm yeah. putting in and the effort, like just because it's an army painting rather than a a few guys it's it's kind of a, you have to take two different approaches i think otherwise it's just not manageable yeah like batch painting and trying to just slap the colors on put a wash and highlight you know really follow basically the games yeah. workshop um preferred way of painting which you know does work well and you know you can get some good results from it but yeah you cannot focus on the the individual guy it's like a unit you've got to think about and like does that unit yeah. look good on the table then if it doesn't you're brilliant you know you've done the job mm. really and then the characters yeah you can spend your time on them you know but yeah. um yeah don't get yeah don't spend your time too much in the detail you know definitely definitely agree with that but yeah cool. so, uh, did you did you mention as well you were looking at a couple of other skirmish games yeah i have i i guess every now and again i like to have a little look around and see what's on the market and i i basically i've never really had a look at Malifaux or wild west exodus in any great detail before and um they seem to be the two that i haven't really investigated so i did have a good look around their model range and had a little bit of an investigation to how they play and um, I think they're both quite interesting. They're both quite similar in this kind of... They've got this Wild West feel to both of them. They both have a bit of horror aspect. And they're definitely 
that weird steampunky kind of style you know it's quite unique uh to well it's obviously not unique but <laughs> it's it's quite different i suppose to anything else i've got you know and so i, I just thought i'd have a look and i i would say like manifo is interesting because it's got plastic miniatures now and mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately they don't seem to like to paint their models and then show them they just always show the 3D renders a lot which is a little bit frustrating because it kind of makes it hard to really get into the models like they've got some great artwork and then they'll and then on the back of boxes it'll show you the 3D renders but there's, I, it's really hard to get pictures of what this stuff looks like painted and in real life you know um, which mm. is a little bit of a shame um, but they do have a great diverse range I would say my main problem is that like some of it I really love. Like I don't know if you know I talk anything about the game, but there's a faction called the Neverborn, which are basically like nightmares come real. And they've got some really funky, interesting models that really look grey and um, quite distinct. But then they've also got other ranges that I just can't get into at all. Like they've got gremlins, which I just, I just don't like. They're kind of like goblins mixed with sort of confederate, era kind of <laughs> you know I, I don't know and the, i guess the, the cowboy theme in general it, um I'm not, I'm not massively into i suppose so like some of the factions i really like and other ones are, i'm just totally cold cold on um then so but you know it's I, I i would like to see a bit more of the painted miniatures and that might entice me into the game because the actual rules looked interesting because you use like a deck of cards instead of dice and kind of mm. manipulate that so it's it's a nice way and what as well in that i guess you know that during the game you're always going to get a certain spread of results so i guess that's quite nice to know that you can never you're never going to just have a, a bad dice day as people like to say you know you yeah. kind of evens out yeah. a bit um which is interesting there's, a, there's another game that uses like um like a deck for that and that's called freebooters fate and what oh, i liked yeah. about that was like basically if you had attack three and your opponent had defense two then what you would end up doing is like picking up these cards to say where you're going to attack your opponent so you choose like head torso left arm right arm left leg right leg and then they get their defense deck and they choose which ones they're going to block so if i go i'm going to shoot you in their head torso and left arm and you block your head and torso, then I only shoot your left arm. But obviously there's like this big like bluffing game going on, like which parts am I going to shoot? And like, then you'd work out what damage is caused. Um, yeah. And you do, you work out quite kind of like criticals based on where you hit them. So uh, the decks are quite, quite nice because they kind of mean that you're not rolling dice. You kind of, it's like fixed odds, fixed luck. You know what's left in mm -hmm. the deck when you're kind of pulling it. But, well, you can actually yeah, do, you like also, it. you also have like a fate hand. So you can, you have, hands that you can it's like having a guaranteed result that you can use so it's quite nice that if you need something to happen you can actually make sure it does if you've got the card in your hand rather than pulling it from a deck and finding out okay. randomly so i think it's got some interesting rules it's definitely got some good looking models um it's, it's probably one that i will keep an eye on now and sort of see if i warm up to some of the other parts of the range or not you know sometimes when you start a uh, any game sometimes you, you you get enticed by one particular faction and you, not so much by the others and that's okay and i i, th I think at the moment I'm, st I'm just actually put off by a couple of the factions which is <laughs> <laughs> so um which is a bit not not great but the ones i do like i, I like a lot and 
So the other game in this sort of similar, like I said, sort of similar Wild West feel to it with this, like, lots of weird steampunk. This one's probably more steampunk than the horror, um, is Wild West Exodus. And I think in some ways I prefer that more because even the basic gunslinging kind of cowboy-esque or that sort of basic guy is actually looks really cool because they have like these really interesting looking steampunk guns and lots of uh i don't know what you call it like not not, not gibbons what we've got like gubbins gubbins, gubbins. yeah gibbons this man got so yeah. many monkeys on him he's just covered I've... in gibbons <laughs> and that's what sold me I've... on the range i've um <laughs> i have built a few of them from a friend of mine and yeah they are quite nice looking models yeah they, um, they don't. They're resin. They go together relatively well. I mean, as as well as resin can. Some some of the joins are a little bit fiddly. They've maybe not got the uh, the kind of know how of sort of you know more seasoned manufacturers. But they seem to get better. They weren't they weren't a nightmare. They certainly weren't like early Forge World levels of frustration <laughs> trying to build something. So yeah, and I I think the whole range is actually pretty solid. They they definitely have like I said less of the horror aspects. So they don't have like that side of it but they've gone into having odd things like there's aliens in it so if you like yeah. cowboys versus aliens then you, you'll probably enjoy that range <laughs> that cult classic <laughs> yeah and um they've also got like indians which have a lot of um kind of not werewolves but that sort of like half human half animal kind of um, thing going on so they've got uh, some pretty cool factions and the game also uses cards but i think the card not to the same extent you still roll dice to determine like whether you hit someone and stuff like that and um, i think you mean native americans though don't you rather than indians oh yeah sorry native american <laughs> okay <laughs> apologies it's fine <laughs> um so you know both 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 games have uh are quite cool models but i, I think at the moment as well west exodus if i was tempted to buy into either would probably win out just because I think the whole range is a bit more solid. I, I suppose it does also matter on the company a little bit. Like Wild West Exodus is done by um, War Cradle Studio. And mm-hmm. I must admit, I'm not actually as sure if there's, their track record is as good actually as producing games. Well, War Cradle not. is actually owned by TT Combat. No, it's not. No, it's owned it's by Wayland, 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 isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Wayland Games, which we, we have such a great reputation of in our <laughs> gaming group. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not really... I don't really have any... Um, I don't really know how good the actual rules are, I suppose. Um, but the models certainly look nice. They're certainly high-quality sculpts. Yeah, it's. I've sort of... I've seen a fair few of the models you know painted and unpainted obviously ones i've built uh, they are pretty cool and i'm not a huge fan of the wild west but it's sort of certain aspects of it grow on me now and again and i, I could maybe give it a go i don't know it's, it's kind of do i really need another skirmish game i don't i don't really have any skirmish games at the moment but do I really want to <laughs> well there's that? your answer do i need another skirmish <laughs> well, game well i don't have any skirmish games so maybe well, do skirmish know, because... games just not do it for you i don't know no i don't know um it's difficult to say you know i i've got war cry which is good to throw down a few models and play a quick game certainly not the deepest of games you guys all play infinity quite a lot i've been given a few infinity models and i'm like okay should i should i try and jump back in you know get them painted the up answer is yes <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's a it's a very very deep complex rule set. <laughs> um, 
or do, you know, do I want something that's maybe a bit Bushido. more fun? No, that one that one seems too thinky for me, to be honest. Bushido, I'm not not a. I don't know. I maybe one day I could maybe be tempted to try Wild West Exodus. I think maybe even Malifaux. I'm not a huge fan of steampunk either, but again, my tastes seem to be changing as I get older and. The sort of some of the aspects of it do look quite cool. So. I've always I've always penned Lee to be like well, as soon as he hits like fifty, it'd be on six mil Napoleonics and that'd be it. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, <laughs> gotta get the lapels right. <laughs> no, that is Jesus. definitely something I'd hear you saying, Lee. That's not out of oh, the realm no. of possibility. I can't. You I can't not painted doing that. the right lapels. You you do it with your Republic commanders at the moment, don't you? Having yeah. seen people sort of you know literally say oh you, look they've sculpted they're, they're a great sculpt but i won't buy them because the bootstraps are wrong for that period of the war i just think nah you know that that's that's a level of that's a level one step too far for me i think but it's interesting though because i actually haven't really checked out historical uh games uh just as my you know looking around for what games are around at the moment i didn't really even think about historicals but maybe maybe i should have have a little look, see what's out there for that. Might be something more know, interesting. There's not enough. There's not enough tentacles for you. Darren. I don't think you'll like them. Yeah. True, true. There's no cosmic horror in Napoleonics. <laughs> that is very true. It's... Maybe that's a niche that we need to fill. Maybe, maybe this talk of you designing your own game. Maybe that's the game you need to design. What, uh, Cthulhu in yeah. Napoleonics time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think that's the crossover yet. So I'm not, Muskets I'm not and tentacles, that. you could call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Anyway, shall we move on? So, uh, anything else you've been looking at lately, Darren? Or should we should we let Adam have his piece? Oh no, that's that's say me. his piece. Cool. I'll try and I'll try and keep it short and sweet, so we can we can move on to our next topic. So, um, I guess I have picked up a few extra bits and pieces for some of the war games that I play. So, to round off my pano, I picked up a couple of the figures that I'm or box sets that I'm missing. So they released cool. um, their May releases include the Pano Shiana support pack, uh, which I'm super happy to see because that machinist and trauma doc have needed like updated sculpts uh, for a number of years. They've so got rid nice of the old screaming them. trauma doc. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. God. Oh. Thank God. Well, I mean, her hand joint times. was awful. Like I think he literally like had to put that yeah. like, anyway. So I digress. Get rid of get rid of those two sculpts. Add in these <laughs> two new ones that look great. Um, I think. And I also picked up the Magister Knights box set just because I didn't have that box set. So that basically rounds off all the Pano stuff that I need minus, I think, one tag. Um, And then I'm kind of up to date with everything. Um, I also picked up the uh, Minamoto clan for Bushido. Um, So I've got two clans. It's always been my um, kind of goal to get just two clans and then a bunch of like Ronin that I can like mix between them. I don't think I'll ever go to three clans. I think it's a bit obsess- uh, obsessive. It, I, I feel like it would become too much of a kind of focus for me then. I think two clans gives me enough to kind of vary the games that I play with the... Do with I the detect shots stuff. fired at Darren there? No, no, no. Well, no, no, no. Like, so, like <laughs> Darren, the thing is, though, like I also look at it in terms of unpainted miniatures that I've got, whereas Darren like t- turns them out. <laughs> like uh, and his stuff looks phenomenal so you know oh, i wish you. i could paint like darren does so i i, I look um, at it more as painting projects to be honest like um I, i'm actually mm. really good at the moment i'm waiting for an order of paints from games workshop that's uh taking about three weeks and i still haven't got it i'm like i, I want to start painting my bushido monks i need that <laughs> i need some oranges <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> 
But um, yeah, so I've stayed off buying any more board games at the moment just because I've got my birthday this week. So I know that probably Shelley's gonna she's probably got me a few uh, that will that will play. So I've tried to avoid playing, uh, so picking up any board games. Um, actually. Yeah, so I guess hobby-wise, um, this week I, I quite like to get my Bushido stuff painted, um, sit down and go through my Wolf Clan, get them finished up. Um, but yeah, had, like building wardrobes yesterday was anno- <laughs> annoying. I wanted to spend mm-hmm. some time yesterday doing hobby, but when you've got to build this like flat pack wardrobe that takes you six hours, you don't have much time for hobby. Jesus, just just too much time yeah and i also went through a bit like yesterday i got a bit bored and ended up buying a bunch of house plants which is uh, a bit weird i should have spent the money maybe on hobby stuff but you know i fancy i fancied some plants so you know newfound love um but um what i've i've also spent some time this week playing legend of the five rings online so i do like it as a card game and i've been trying to kind of figure out how to play the scorpion clan which are you know my favorite clan in terms of uh theme and kind of like their cards and everything but they're one of the hardest clans to play they're like really challenging and they don't like they're all subterfuge and kind of like sneaky tricks and everything but i just keep on getting malleted online every time i play because someone's got like better combos but i'm just trying to put in the time learn them a bit more i finally got one victory the other day with them so i'm starting to kind of tweak my deck and figure out what what works well what doesn't um so yeah it's good fun um i'm enjoying it and it's it's the the system online's pretty pretty good i think they've upgraded the server so it crashes less um, (laughs) which is always good to see um but yeah that's that's kind of me done hobby wise this last uh couple of weeks i mean i'm i'm uh also interested in getting my infinity back in action because i've kind of taken a bit of a break as a as soon as they announced N4, really, I, I was kind of like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for a bit. And, um, yeah, I'm actually interested to put together my Shazvaz team to, uh, to play against your Pano. So that'd be nice to do. So at time of recording, it's um, actually Mental Health Awareness Week at the moment. Um, and this year's theme is Kindness. Mental health problems can affect anyone at any time. Uh, So for one week each May, Mental Health uh, Foundation, uh, uh, which is an organisation in the UK, campaign around a specific theme for Mental Health Awareness Week. And this year's theme for 2020 is kindness. So I thought what we could do um, as a podcast is just talk about kind of how we can use our hobby um, and what benefits are from our hobby about helping people de-stress, and and kind of look after their own mental mental well-being uh, just like we look after our physical well-being so i guess my three questions to 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 kind of us are how do we use games or our hobby to de-stress um how could we use our hobby to help others and what games might we use as good conversation starters if we wanted to kind of like engage with someone or have a have a uh, friendly conversation so i guess um lee lee why don't you start what are your feelings on this? Uh, okay, do you want me to answer these all in turn or, or just one yeah, at a time? Yeah, just just whatever you feel. Okay, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll give a quick, quick spiel. And so um, I think in terms of games or our hobby to de-stress, from a personal standpoint, I tend to do the, the model building and painting side. That's my de-stresser. You know, if I've had a long day in front of a screen, 
it's quite nice to just not look at a screen. Like I'm doing something analog, as it were. Um, I, I often find when my mind wanders, I'm always sort of thinking, oh, yeah, it'd be really cool to paint that up or try this effect out or something. So it's quite nice to kind of actually get to a table and do that. Um, in terms of games, I don't really know if I use games to de-stress as such. Not that I find them a stressful experience, but I find that I'm sort of, when I'm playing a game, I'm, I'm sort of switched on, so I'm not relaxed, as it were. So I think for me, it's more hobby for de-stressing. How, how about yourself? Yeah, so I guess from my perspective, I I like... Um... I probably don't do as much painting to de-stress. I actually find painting pretty stressful just because oh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, and, and I think it's just I need to get used to painting more and then I'll enjoy it more. It's one of those things like repetition. If I get used to it and see the reward, then I can get through stuff. But I actually mm. find um, I really like deck building to de-stress. Like, I find that mm. it's a bit of a, like bit like a giant puzzle and i find it like super rewarding when i kind of get to the end and i've built this kind of deck it gives me an opportunity to get get all my cards out lay them on the table i get to look at all the nice artwork and all the like different things on the cards and kind of building something up it's like trying to slot everything together and yeah i just like i find it really therapeutic also sleeving the cards as well it's like (laughs) super yeah super therapeutic like getting through it I guess for me, it's, it's like getting through something and getting the reward at the end of it Like can feel really good and make you feel really positive about something. Um, yeah. yeah, and I guess like... Um, but I, I like building models as well. Like, So the painting is definitely stressful for me, but building models I really enjoy. So the, the aspect the of getting part. kind of a metal model out, clipping all the bits off, you know, sanding everything down, just fi- well, filing everything down getting everything ready and then assembling that model on its base. Like, I think there's something really rewarding about that. And I definitely enjoy that aspect of the hobby. Um, But what about yourself, Darren? I would say definitely painting. I'm a pretty compulsive painter, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, um, actually get stressed out if I can't paint. (laughs) It's something that Maddie, my wife, has uh, noticed. Like, I'll literally get to the point where she'll be like, just buy some models and, you know, paint them. uh, (laughs) Because it's something that I I guess I've done from such a young age. It's kind of hardwired into me to... And I've always liked art anyway. uh, And my job is, I guess, very... um, It's very, like, problem-solving. So, you know, it's nice to... And it's on a computer... And it's nice to break away from that and do something artistic and to do something that isn't involved in a computer. And um, it's sort of the other part of, I guess, my personality, which I really enjoy. And um, so for me, yeah, I, I have this... And I have a thing where once I start a project, I guess all I want to do is keep progressing on it and just get to the next model and get that done and, you know, and just want to finish it and see it all come together. Um so I get, I guess, quite like um, involved and kind of obsessed by whatever I'm working on at that moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is not always a good thing, but like <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I guess, kind of like focus <laughs> on that thing for a short time. And um, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, the painting itself really helps, and uh, it's something I do um, most evenings. To be honest, I do a couple of hours, um, you know, at least a couple of times a week. Anyway, you know. Um, so that's that's definitely a de-stress part of it. Um, gaming itself, though, I also find really nice just to break away and really focus on something else, and you know, also have the social interaction. Um, you know, which is brilliant. You know, really fortunate to have um, 
so know so many people that play games and it's it's always great to be able to have that sort of way of making sure you meet up all the time you know particularly at the moment because you know normally mm. probably you know we'd be going to the pub every now and again or you know things like that um or you know going out for meals and things and now it's it's just nice that actually like it's weird to say but as obviously lockdown is quite a stressful time but it's been nice that how much gaming i've been invited to and been able to be a part of uh, during it it's actually last week was to the point where i think i gamed about four times and uh you know, that's more than I would expect to do before, mm. you know, I would expect normally once a week, because I, I guess it's just, there's no, you know, you don't have as much going on, and you, you're available more, and you're like, well, yeah, I'm just gonna be here in the evening anyway, so why not, kind of thing, you know, but it was yeah. it was actually quite surprising, it's, it's I suppose, a combination of that, and, um, you know, doing other hobby-related things, like, um, uh, been doing a podcast with my brother, which has been really fun, and so- something um, I, I, I didn't really expect to do, but we kind of like stumbled into it um, after, I guess, being inspired by this podcast <laughs> to, do, to do one of our own. And... That's a neat segue into the next question, in fact, yeah, isn't it? I yeah. think. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, how how can we use our hobby to help others? So, we'll stay with you then, Darren. So, you know, how 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 do you use your hobby to help others? Um, or how how could you? Like, I, I think I, I think you know putting out a podcast to give more awareness and exposure to a system that maybe doesn't have it as much is is yours. Yeah, definitely. You know, to answer for you. But I mean, how how do you feel about you know what what's your kind of motivation behind that? How does it make you feel doing it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess that that's definitely a large part of it because there's not much in the way of content out there for Bushido, and there's very few content creators dedicated to it, and hmm. so we felt like that was a, a good an area that we would actually be useful in whereas I, I suppose if it's less enticing to maybe do a podcast on a really popular game that's already got really well established kind of you know uh, content creators um so we, yeah we're hoping to put some stuff back to community uh, especially uh, for newer gamers and sort of you know the learnings that we have had and to help them get over those sort of initial hurdles um, I think a lot of it, to be honest, is the fact that uh, me and Craig just like to ramble about stuff like that anyway. So <laughs> we thought we may as well record it. So, <laughs> we were, so. I mean, you, you joke, but that was pretty much what started us. It was, uh, I can't remember if it was Kim or Shelley that said, you know, they they overheard us talking. They're like, you guys should just record it. Yeah. And that's kind of <laughs> how we started as well. Yeah. Um, so what about you, Adam? How, how do you think you can use your uh, use our hobby to help others or, you know? So I guess one of the things that I've always found with um, with our hobby is that it has such a strong kind of community feeling to it. When you're in the kind of wargaming or board gaming sphere, it's got such a friendly group of interested people that just want more people to play and get involved in their games. Um, so I think we can we can use our hobby to encourage other people to play board games and war games and get involved at any different level you know we've got where we are at the moment there's a lot of people who are isolated who are at home with a couple of people and um, there's an opportunity there for them to pick up a couple of board games and sit down and play those in the evening with their with their families that they're with Um, Mm. and I think it's a great way of having a conversation 
with people and putting down technology and just being social i think we're still too kind of like hooked into technology if i'm honest and people need to realize a better relationship with it and i think when i look at the board gaming community when you start talking about these things we get so in depth with our conversations about the tiniest little thing in games it's it's a good like switch off from reality for me like i don't have to talk about normal life i can talk about this fantasy game where you know some clans are battling over like some you know fantasy feudal Jap- japan and and you know we can we can talk about that for hours and it just it's a great switch off and it feels like you know rewarding and engaging and for some people that can be what they need that can be that like hour that Mm. they need to just disconnect and be like feel good about something because that's that's kindness that's what people need to do is just like be able to switch off from reality um and and just kind of feeling it like involved and active within a community that, that mm. wants them to be included. Um, that's mm. from my perspective. What about yourself, Lee? Uh, I think, to be honest, I echo the, the pair of you, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's important to like to introduce someone to this hobby for who's not maybe not into it is, is quite good. You know, I've had a lot of friends over time have been like, you know, we've encouraged them to play board games and they've, they've picked up their own board games and had a lot of fun with it. You know, some of the guys have uh, bought stuff and obviously they're locked in you know, they might be at home with family they've been able to play games with them and it you know it's a social thing that brings them together you know it, it, like you say it's the disconnect from you know reality and also the kind of you know it's an analog thing rather than a digital thing so it's quite nice for them um and it's just nice as well like i've noticed this, i've got a friend uh he's, he's an old work colleague of mine actually um and he he, I showed him some of my Instagram photos of, of my models and he was like, oh yeah, I used to paint models when I was a kid. I really fancy getting back into it. And he's been going great guns, like, you know, lately, you know, it's good to see that encouragement. So I'm sort of, you know, encouraging him to, you know, try new techniques and do different things and giving him sort of, you know, feedback on his models. And like, you know, I think that's, it's good. It's good to get feedback. I think sometimes, if if and a bit of encouragement when you've sort of you know because usually the stuff you've painted you're going to be proud of. So it's nice to have somebody go, oh yeah, that, that's cool. That looks good. So I think that's a good sort of, of way of being kind to yourself and kind to others. I think. I think that's how. Yeah, and and you're you're right there. I think if you look at a lot of although I'm when I talk about my painting and being a perfectionist, that's something I've put on myself. But actually. If you look at the the models that people share online, everyone's so positive about any level of painting. Mm. Like if you're a beginner to a pro, everyone. Well, apart from don't Reddit, go on Reddit. Maybe, <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> like mo- most people, if you're in the kind of like um, community groups on Facebook and you get involved and someone shares a model that they painted, everyone's mm. usually really positive about it. I've not seen a negative post mm. about it, um, apart from maybe someone who recently um, built some. Um, magister knights for uh infinity that were just um sisters of battle we're like oh, really? get those out oh. of the group they're not the right models <laughs> really gutsy it is a good point though because um i i know it's um <laughs> it's it's one of those things that made me feel good even though it doesn't mean anything but i, I shared a picture of my drunk pirates on the Pachido facebook facebook group and i i got about oh, 130 odd likes and i don't know why but i was just like it's really nice to see that many people appreciate the models you know (laughs) but but that's great right it's it's such a rewarding thing and it kind of like makes you feel good and people are saying yeah these these look great you know but you don't you didn't 
people don't need to do that, but they choose to do it because it's something that like rewards you and says, look, you put some effort in and these look fantastic. You've clearly dedicated some, some of your time to making these look great um, and taking some pictures and sharing with a community. So I think that's it as well. It's just like, if, if you're more willing to share, and I, I think as well, like sharing your progress with things is quite important because it shows people like, the journey that you're on like if everyone shares end state pictures then it can be quite daunting but if you show people the journey along the way as well then it can kind of get people motivated to join in and share their journey Definitely. as well it's good to have that validation i've i i don't share much on our slack thread anymore because i find it gets scrolled off too quickly and i don't really you know nobody sort of says anything about it but like i've been putting stuff on instagram and on facebook groups and yeah i've got i've got like over 350 likes on one of my pictures the other day which oh, nice. was astounding mm. But it's, it's nice to have that validation. It's like, yeah, okay, so I did this and I think it looks cool, but so do a bunch of other people and that's that's good for you. I guess it's good for your mental health, but it can be a double-edged sword because obviously if you put a lot of effort into something and you get like three likes, mm. that can maybe be a bad thing. Yes. But I think you have to kind of just, I suppose, temper your expectations because not everyone will see it. It's not a case that they don't care. It's a case that they don't know about it. Um, I guess, so, I guess it's, um, it, it's another thing like saying that is quite interesting because there's been loads of great models that I've seen and I don't comment enough and maybe what I should do or maybe what we should do as a hobby is um once a day if you see a great model post a comment not just like it but say you've done a fantastic job these mm. look great because having that engagement with someone can make the world of difference so so maybe yeah. going that extra mile just to post a comment and say these guys look fantastic that shows someone that you're you know trying to go above and beyond clicking a button that says like i think that could be so, yeah. so empowering I, yeah, I, I, think, do, yeah, I think you're right I, definitely agree i do wonder if we actually should have a paint dedicated painting channel on our slack group because I, I i think um i do kind of agree that a lot, a lot of time you'll post you'll be like oh, i'm really proud of this model and then someone will be like oh but i've seen something else they're like no yeah exactly <laughs> that that's kind of i had to i literally had to turn off all my slack notifications because it was actually getting me down yeah because I'd, I'd done that quite a few times and there were several people that you know it, it immediately post something different and the conversation changed i'm like oh, okay so you were just ignoring that then it, it i know it's not a personal thing but it kind of there's that little bit at the back of my mind that sort of does that so yeah. i think from a personal standpoint and personal mental health i had to kind of just like distance it so maybe you're right actually maybe a painting Which is a shame, on there because be i always i always like to see this stuff you know like mm. um and i i know that on not i guess it's really niche now but i know on some of the certain threads like people only post certain things on certain threads weren't still painting so they're like you know mm. they'll only post bushido models on the bushido thread or something you know but it's like well everyone still might want to see that model you know and uh you know so yeah anyway I, th I think you're right you know maybe we'll just set up a, a separate thread for like um, literally yeah, doing that. painting let's do it because i think you're <laughs> right um and and the thing is it's not like facebook where you're posting something and then you can like scroll down that post it's like yeah. you can start a thread from things in slack but it's seldom it's a bit annoying to do that so i think yeah. people just keep on replying in in the same chat and like you said your photo can end up 20 posts up when someone's well, like gone yeah, into no. a heated conversation and quite often i'll, I'll i only check my phone like uh, if i'm working anywhere a couple of times a day and um so i, I might scroll up and see an amazing painting model but by the time i'm got there i don't want to yeah, yeah. resurrect it don't want to like yeah oh that was a great great a model weird. like 50 posts back up the thread <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, I get that um 
Cool. So I guess the final one is like, what games might we use as good conversation starters? If you wanted to have a conversation with someone and just get them more involved, let's start with you, Darren. What games would you suggest someone? Well, I think actually, I suppose we're really fortunate that that there are so many great games that appeal to so many different people nowadays. And it's one of the things I noticed more and more in my day-to-day life that more people I talk to play games of some sort. And that may be really light ones, something like Mysterium, you know, that sort of more party-esque game, and to really like crunchy ones. But normally Pandemic comes out a lot. Like that's really, really popular. And I guess this is great that board games have got to this point now where a lot of people are interested in. It's not a shunned topic, I don't think. And things like Pandemic are so widely available and played. Something like that would probably be my first go-to if I was going to talk to anyone. You know, um, there's probably a few others that are really obvious that I can't think of right now, but Pandemic seems to come up all the time. And, um, yeah, you know, most people, I think a lot of people these days do, probably more than the majority of people I know these days play board games. Maybe I'm in my own little bubble, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But a lot of people I think I know there's do. more people out there than you realise. Like I was surprised at how many tabletop and wargaming fans there are actually in my current office. It actually genuinely surprised me because mm. the previous places I'd worked, I'd never known anyone. Whereas actually, there's several people who play like 40k and stuff in my office. There's a bunch of people who play just like board games and go to board game socials and such. So I think there's a lot more out there than we're aware of because yeah, like you say, we're in a bit of a bubble. We all of our friends we've met through tabletop whereas yeah you know out in the real world that's not how most people meet so it's you won't it's not something i would bring up in conversation too quickly um i'm a bit more open about it now when i meet new people and like you know all my work colleagues know what i do they know about this podcast not that they listen um (laughs) that's not that's not a dig it's just you know this isn't their this isn't their thing so i'm not expecting them to um but yeah it's it's, it's you're more right, that, widely known now isn't it that's you yeah know, you definitely. go to waterstones and you pick up a load of board games yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, re- ex- expensive but you can pick them up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll go somewhere else um i guess the other thing for me is like you just want to avoid something that's maybe a bit too complex or or kind of like rules heavy or has maybe like a deep theme so getting people into it if you want to kind of like have a conversation something light like a zool or kind of ticket to ride where mm-hmm. you know um, ticket ticket to ride is a good you shout. don't have to concentrate too much on the rules and you can explain it in five minutes you can get going and i think the key for me is just to have like time to have a conversation around the game as well so you can like pause yeah. and just talk about things rather than kind of like yeah just get kind of like bogged down in the rules and what's happening so hyper competitive games or like games like i I would say rising sun's probably a bad example of a game that i would use if i wanted to have kind of like a conversation or check in with someone something Mm. a bit lighter like a zoo or yeah ticket to ride or like even junk art like you can do a round and then stop like as you're setting up the next round you say how's the family and have a conversation about other things Mm. Um, yeah. or you know the other thing is like f- maybe something that's co-op like you've obviously suggested pandemic um, I tend to find escape rooms quite fun as well kind mm. of you get working yeah. together and you're working to try and solve problems which is quite nice um, what about yourself Lee? Uh, well we're sort of 
we're kind of missing a trick here. Like you, you could say that the mind is a good one. I know you can't talk during it, but I mean the few times, well, say the, the the times I've played it with people, we've kind of loosely followed that rule. Yeah, you can't talk about the game state, but you can still talk about stuff. So mm. like you know, you can kind of play that whilst having a conversation, really, because you're just the only idea. thing you don't talk about is you don't talk about what's in your hand, which is fine because you're then talking. Oh yeah, how how are the kids? You know, how's life, etc. How are you? So you can still play that, and that's that's quite a simple game, really, isn't it? Because it's just numbers. Yeah. So and uh, rules are incredibly light in that. I mean, it's still got rules to follow, but they're not mm-hmm. they're not in any way difficult. I think that that's a good one. I think. Yeah, I'd almost say party games. To be honest, actually, the more I look at it, the more I think about it. You know, I've got Crazy Tower. That one's a silly little bit of fun. Obviously, you can't play that in lockdown. But once we're out of that, things like Scrawl as well. I mean, think how funny yeah. those. Yeah, Scrawl yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. Actually, I really enjoy that game. I really can't wait to play that again. What? Um, sorry, I quite like I, Medium actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, Medium's also good. Yeah, we need to play that. We need to crack that out with you and Maddie, Darren. That's, yeah, that'd uh, be cool. Something for post lockdown well i'm um, we've uh, found unlocked quite a good one to bring to non-gamers yes. actually um people who in- would go to a lock room but wouldn't necessarily mm. go out and buy a board game and yeah. um they've actually really enjoyed it and i suppose a lot of my collection these days i i kind of think about it in groups of who would play it more than anything mm. else rather than the you know the game type or something but i've got the cr- sort of crunchy end that you know i'll probably play with you guys or, you know, um, similar sort of, you know, more hard, dedicated, hardcore gamers, you know. Uh, yeah. But um, there's tons of games now that I own that are specifically designed to be like, oh, we'll crack this out with when the family comes around or, you know, when, you know, people that want to play at certain levels because they, you know, almost always will enjoy it. It's just getting the right game for the right people, really, you know. Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, I think in in summary, I think the we've got lots of opportunity here to use our hobby to engage and kind of have conversations with people. Um, I think definitely something I've taken away from this is uh, just little acts of kindness, like posting uh, an actual message on someone's photo or uh, having a conversation with them on on like a social channel when they're posting things, rather than just acknowledging things with a like. Just going that yeah. extra little bit to just say, wow, these guys look fantastic or, mm. you know, great, great job on painting this or having a conversation if someone's asking a question can go a long way. Like if everyone is like small ripples, isn't it? Great waves. So if, <laughs> yeah. if everyone had one comment to say about someone else's thing on a daily basis, then we all live in a much happier place. So... <laughs> No, that's what right. I've taken away very, from this. Very right. I know. I know that sounds a bit preachy, but actually, no, it's dead right. It's yeah. The fact that someone's taken the effort to not just click like or whatever, if it's you know Instagram, double tapping it and all that kind of stuff, to actually take the time to you know bring up a keyboard and actually write some encouraging words, is really nice. You're definitely right. That's that's worth that's worth like a hundred bloody, you know, points as it were, internet <laughs> points. I think yeah. actually yeah. somebody saying something. Well then, that's episode 22 all wrapped up neatly with a bow, isn't it? Um, so, just remains for me to say thank you again for listening all the way through. Um, thanks for sticking with us if you've made it uh, to 22 episodes and all through all of them. Uh, don't forget, if you if you don't already subscribe to us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Anchor, 
various places just remember to do a search for the average gamers the the word the is very important there otherwise you'll get some other podcast um we've got a retro 80 style logo with pink writing um if you want to find us on instagram we are the average gamers all one word facebook we're at facebook.com forward slash average gamers podcast twitter we are at average underscore gamers and if you like the old-fashioned email we are at average gamers pod at gmail.com uh say goodbye guys Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Bye.